thanks to Slack for supporting Motley Fool. Slack is a messaging app which brings together all your team's communications in one place, making work simpler and more productive. Go to slack.com to learn more. It's Wednesday, May 3rd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me in studio, we've got Jeff Fisher from Motley Fool Pro and Options and David Kretzman from Rule Breakers and Supernova. Guys, welcome. Hey, Mac. Hey, Mac. Guys, are you feeling it? Feeling it. Oh, yeah. Ready okay. to go. That did not sound very enthusiastic. <laughs> it's I'm, Wednesday. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to work Middle of the that. week. <laughs> okay, well, let's begin with Apple. Shares of Apple down slightly in the wake of second quarter earnings. David, I look at these numbers, and they look pretty good to me. $52.9 billion in revenue, around 50 million iPhones sold for the quarter, which is flat year over year. Um, Apple also increasing its dividend and buying back shares. Yeah, I, I thought this was actually a pretty good quarter. I think the, what a lot of people in the media are fixating on is the slight drop of iPhone units sold year over year. But I, I look at this quarter, and I think the iPhone ecosystem unquestionably is getting stronger. I look at services revenue, which grew 18% to over $7 billion. Within that, the App Store grew sales 40%. The number of App Store developers is up 26%. You're seeing continued growth in paid subscribers with services like Apple Music and iCloud. And another smaller but growing segment of the company that put up some really impressive numbers, I think, is their wearables business, which is Apple Watch, Beats headphones, the AirPods. That's now generating over $5 billion in revenue. Apple Watch sales doubled year over year. And considering the headwinds that Fitbit has been running into even through the holiday quarter, the fact that Apple Watch is doing so well despite those industry headwinds, I think that says a lot about the strength of Apple's brand and just that they're they're leading that market right now. Yeah, I agree. If if I owned Apple stock, and I do, and many of us do, <laughs> I would still hold it. If I didn't own it, I would probably still buy it. I would still buy it. Let's let's have conviction here. Uh, this shares trade at 17 times earnings, so they've seen some value expansion the past year or so. 15 times forward earnings, but they're still at a discount to the wider market. And as David just said, things are actually going really well. This quarter was a win for Apple in that iPhone sales were pretty much flat, or as Tim Cook said, sell through on a sell through basis, sales grew year over year, even of the iPhone, even in what's it's an iPhone seven, but it's still we haven't seen a refresh for a long time. Of course, we have that big refresh expected or coming this fall, and that should be uh, that should really drive unit sales again. iPhone eight. Uh, yep. And what else? Uh, yeah, David said it all. Everything, everything's going in the right direction. Except you could, I guess, tease out the iPad sales are they're still down there, but uh, that's okay. Okay, so it can't all be sunshine and rainbows, though. So let me ask you, what do you see as the biggest threat to Apple? Biggest long-term threat to Apple, I think, is always the question: What comes next? Like, how long can the iPhone be the the dominant? Kind of tentpole for Apple's business, so I think longer term, that's that's the main threat slash question I'm watching. In the shorter term, there's been some ongoing weakness in China for the company that they still have, you know, some strong aspects there, like their best performing or their highest traffic stores are primarily in China. But I think revenue in China was down 14% this quarter. So I think in the shorter term, that's that's something. You want to keep an eye on. Yeah, I was going to say China. China jumped to mind as well. There's so many discount phone manufacturers there getting off the ground in that country that uh, that's a headwind right now. Well, guys, let's move on to Gilead Sciences. Shares falling on earnings. Jeff, sales of Gilead's hepatitis C and HIV treatments not quite meeting expectations. 
No, Mac, and I, I'll, I'll start with my strongest statement, as you always advise us Thank to. Thank you. Thank you. I, if I didn't own shares, I wouldn't buy them right now. I st- even though Gilead trades at seven times earnings and eight times forward earnings, they're really in a tough spot. The hepatitis C sales are going to continue to decline, at least throughout this year. Uh, HIV was not up to expectations, although it remains the key franchise at the company. And the the real problem here, Mac, if I can step back a little bit, is that the the company is now lacks recurring revenue in the hepatitis C market, of course, because that drug cures the patient. If there's one thing I could hang my hat on the last twenty some years as an investor, it's always been recurring revenue. Having recurring revenue is key. It brings stability. It leads to a higher value multiple. It lets you. It buys you time so you can grow the business in new and different ways. What happened with Gilead was pretty fascinating. Everyone was surprised, as well as as well as me, including management too, how quickly the hepatitis C market exploded higher, just massive, massive profits to the company, and then how quickly it fell. And now, where's the bottom? And that's the question. As pricing keeps going down, patient starts continue to decline, et cetera, et cetera. That said, the patient base is still enormous. There are some three million people expected to have hepatitis C right now in this country, and most have not been treated. It'll be a trickle like a cash cow, long-term cash cow. But Gilead right now is back to revenue, quarterly revenue, a quarterly revenue level that it last saw in 2014, and it's still trickling down. That said, as David and I talked about before taping, it is a win that so far Gilead said they're standing by the guidance that they gave in February. So, we see some stability there. Yeah, the big question here with Gilead, kind of similar to Apple, though I think Apple's in a far stronger position, is what what comes next? Like you have these blockbuster drugs and that hepatitis market. It's remarkable that it cures the the issue, the disease. But at at some point, as Jeff alluded to, you need to to uh, you need to fill in that revenue with something else. So they do have over thirty four billion dollars in the bank right now. Uh, the dividend yield is now about three percent. That's probably a safe dividend. So the the stock looks cheap, but it still remains to be seen what will drive growth going forward. Whether it's an acquisition, an investment, a partnership, or if they can develop a new drug in house, that question still remains. And I think that's why the shares are understandably cheaply priced. So true. And everyone uh, everyone is looking for a big acquisition, but they really they only have six billion net cash when you count their debt, and. I'd be a little concerned long term about the HIV franchise that they have as well on on competition, or we're all hoping for a cure for HIV at some point. And if that does happen, what happens to Gilead? So it's it's yeah, it's not a stock I would buy today, despite it being so cheap. If you own it, as we do in Motley Fool Pro, we're writing covered calls on it and watching it closely and hoping to earn ten percent a year through the yield and the covered calls. Guys, before we get to our next story, I want to say thanks to Slack for supporting today's episode of Market Foolery. Slack is a messaging app that brings together all your team's communications in one place, making work simpler and more productive. Slack allows you to organize your team with real-time messaging, video or voice calls, group file sharing, and searchable archives, all in one easy-to-use app. Major companies regularly use Slack, companies like Capital One and Electronic Arts, and guys, We've been using Slack here at The Motley Fool for several years. I know you use Slack. I use Slack. Heck, we were using Slack to shoot ideas around for this episode. We use it more than email, I think it's safe to say. Whether you have a small team or you're just firing a 
individual message to someone. It, it's my, my go-to platform. Yes, too. We have a private channel for Motley Fool Pro for that team member, those team members, or Motley Fool Options as well. I know I used to send around 900 emails to like each of you as we were going into a show, and now I we just, just created a them. Slack channel. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks a lot. That really hurts. Um, but you don't have to search through a bunch of emails for that one follow-up email you're looking for. You don't have to switch across multiple tabs and platforms to keep updating your work. Slack also features drag-and-drop file sharing that works with all the apps you already use, like Dropbox, Google Drive, and Trello. Plus, you can tailor Slack to work with over 900 apps and with the mobile apps for ios and android that sync seamlessly you can always pick up where you left off no matter where you are slack where work happens find out why at slack.com that's slack.com shares of twilio selling off after the cloud-based communication company reported weaker than expected earnings uber accounts for around 12 percent of twilio's revenues and david um twilio is used by uber to connect drivers and passengers but news out that Uber may be starting to do more of that internally. Yeah, it's a it's a big problem. And in the fourth quarter of last year, Uber actually accounted for 17% of Twilio's revenue. So the news was announced on the conference call today. Twilio reported an otherwise pretty good quarter. Their sales were up 47%. They added 4,000 new active customers. So on a surface level, at first glance, it looked pretty good. But then they also kind of dropped this bombshell that one of their largest customers will now be reducing its use of Twilio over the next year, and they had to lower guidance for the next quarter and, and the rest of the year. So, Uber previously used Twilio a good amount anytime you have some sort of in-app communication. So, if if you use the Uber app uh, to to call a car to your home, to your work, wherever to pick you up. That communication within the app, if you're contacting the the driver, either texting or calling the driver, you're not actually using your own personal number or contacting the driver's personal number. You're communicating through a temporary number that is essentially managed by Twilio. So that gives you an idea of one of the services that Uber used from Twilio. And now Uber will be bringing some of that communications platform in-house, so they'll be developing some of it on their own. And they're also going to be uh, using other vendors, other sources for that communication technology, just depending on the pricing, quality, geography, different things like that. So I, I think that's a pretty concerning thing for Twilio because it suggests, well, there, there might be a reason to, to use another vendor. They're not the only you know, uh, kid on the block here. So. Definitely a concerning development, and it just a reiteration for why ha- having high customer concentration is is a key risk to watch. Yeah, I, I do like how the company brought this out at the start of the conference call and said we have nearly forty one thousand accounts. Uh, only Uber and WhatsApp are concentrated accounts. Uber now at twelve percent of revenue, as you guys said. I guess what's WhatsApp a bit smaller than that. Uh, Uber is big enough that it can develop its own platform if it wants to, at least in part. So there's that going for it. I, I would think most of these accounts are not of a size that the, that they want to do that. They're happy to outsource this to to Twilio. It's an interesting little company. It had 50 million in annual revenue in 2013. Now it's above 300 million. It came public just last year. For the first time now today, it's trading below its IPO price. And the stock was 70 last year, and now it's 25 this morning. I'm interested. I haven't looked at it before until this morning, and I'm going to keep an eye on it for the future. They expect to be public, or I'm sorry, they expect to be profitable by the end of 2018 on an operating basis, and uh, 
cap earnings in 2019. So it's worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, and they're still expecting to to grow revenue this year, even without mm-hmm. Uber or with a, you know a lower contribution from Uber. Their overall sales should still grow about thirty percent this year, based on what management guided. So it's not like the growth was only coming from Uber. They they are a fairly diversified business outside of their top two or three customers. For me, the most concerning part of this is, yeah, probably not not many of their clients will be. Moving in-house, developing this technology in-house. For me, the most concerning part is that Uber might be going to other vendors or other mm. uh, providers. So, to me, that's probably the bigger long-term risk because maybe there's a reason for their smaller clients to do the same thing at some point. Yeah, what's their moat? Yeah. And guys, I want to circle back to Apple as we wrap up. Apple now has a market cap of around seven hundred and sixty billion. So let's have some fun here, okay? Let's, let's get do a little it. wild and crazy. Hope no one calls the cops here. Okay. <laughs> Alphabet Google market cap 644 billion, Microsoft market cap 532 billion, Amazon is at around 450 billion, Facebook at around 443 billion. Question. Which company will be the first to a trillion dollar market cap and which company will be the second? And you can go off the board. It doesn't have to be one of those. I guess I can go first and we'll see we we can compare notes and we want to hear what you think, Mac, too. Okay. So my top pick right now would be Alphabet, just because I, I think they have a pretty clear tailwind behind them. Overtaking Apple. I think so. Yeah, because because they their growth accelerated in the most recent quarter to twenty two percent. So for a company of that size to be accelerating growth, the the valuation is still reasonable on a forward PE basis. They're trading for a lower multiple than the S P five hundred. So I think the the shorter term downside is somewhat limited. A clear tailwind as the world moves to, you know, digital, mobile. Alphabet is just in such a dominant position to continue to to take those digital ad dollars. So I think, with that clear tailwind, I could see them overtaking Apple and being the first trillion dollar company. I think number two, probably Amazon would be my my second choice. Just I mean, such a huge market opportunity there. I don't see e-commerce being a trend that reverses anytime soon. So. I think they they have a pretty clear growth trajectory as well. Okay, Jeff. Well, Apple has a big lead in market value, and I'm going to hand it to Apple. I think they're going to hit a trillion first. The company has held its ground, and actually, the stock is up 50% in the past year, even without a major refresh to the phone since the six, which was nearly three years ago, two and a half years ago. So they have a lot of momentum even without that. And Mac, if you count their Cash and long-term investments, then the company's value is nine hundred thirty-nine billion. So now, they're pretty close. Yeah. Pretty close. Okay, there you go. But you have to also count their debt to get their actual enterprise value. You count the long-term debt. This as well. is when the cops come and then, break up the party. Then they're right <laughs> yeah. back at. We're getting a little wild here. Right back at seven hundred fifty billion. <laughs> enterprise <so>. value. Whoa. <laughs> enterprise Keep it down. <laughs> Keep it down. Getting racy. <laughs> All right, I won't define what that is for our newer <laughs> listeners. It's just market cap plus cash and equivalents minus long-term debt. Anyway, I think Apple will get there first. It's it's thirty percent away right now from a trillion, and a really good launch this fall could could do it. Yeah, I'm conflicted. So you're going Apple, and who is your number two? I think I have to say Amazon. Okay, uh, they have so many things going right, and such a giant addressable market uh, ahead of them. Uh, you know, online sales are still. What maybe 10 15 percent of total retail sales, if that, and Amazon is far and away the leader taking up that market share. So, okay, well, I'm, I'm playing it safe going with the front runners right now. I'm going Apple one, Google two. Um, but yeah, Amazon, Amazon coming up fast along, along the rail. No, Facebook, yep. I don't know. 
I'm not sure. I mean, I, Facebook I, has grown a lot more quickly than Google did in its first yeah. several years as yeah. a public company. Yeah. So, well, that'll be the topic for our next wild and crazy party. So, David, Jeff, <laughs> thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. And as, as always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow. <laughs>